You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. everybody, welcome to Sound of Sanity. My name is Nathan. I am your humble obedient host. There's Benjamin J. Solzer. Hi. Here I am. There he is. <laughs> and Ben, why don't you have the extreme honor, the joy, the privilege, the happiness, the ecstasy of introducing Jacob Mental. Well, if I really may, I mean, if it really is, okay. I want you to introduce Jacob Mental, the pastor who's a master of sanity, well, Ben. Since you have permitted me, Nathan, this is Jacob Mentzel. He's here. Hey, it's me. I'm here. Wow. Guys, today's episode is called Going to Dinner in 2021. That's the name of the episode. And we're going to talk about the process, the challenges that you might face as a Christian who believes in the Bible going to dinner in the year 2021, which it currently is, as we record uh, this, go to dinner, don't you? Not really. You can stay home and eat dinner. Okay. Well, (laughs) for the purposes of the premise of this episode, occasionally you may find yourself out to dinner with your family. And why is that even worth doing an episode about? What kinds of things might happen when you're out to dinner? I'll tell you why. I... This whole episode came out of a conversation we were having where I was just reflecting on the difference. So I have a large family, for those that don't know, or maybe tuning in for the first time. Seven kids. I want to say one wife, one one husband, a cat. One wife, seven kids, and a cat. A cat. That's right. Not called the fur child. Not what? (laughs) Not Not called called the fur child? (laughs) For everybody that was worried that Jake called his cat his fur child, (laughs) it is not. Not not my fur child, nope. (laughs) No four children, no fur wives, <laughs> nothing like that. Jake's just got wife, kids, cat. Yeah. Here's the thing. I recently took my family out to dinner in Evansville, the whole family, to a Mexican restaurant. I mean, for that, for to take my family out is pretty expensive. We're not going out to a restaurant, even a cheap Mexican restaurant, probably, and getting away with under 100 bucks. It's just what we look at when we go out. But we did it because I wanted to do something nice and kind of be out on the town and not be locked in. And so we did. I realized as we were we were there just how different a world again I've been living in since we moved from Bloomington to Evansville. Now Evansville is an hour and a half down the road. We're actually in Newburgh, which is a small community just outside of Evansville. But to take my family out to dinner in Bloomington, you're combating not just uh, the expense of it, but also, you're just aware of the likelihood that you and your family are going to be received with hostility, especially if you know if you try to you really want to sit at you know the same table and you want to pray together before the meal and stuff like that. You're just a hassle. You're in the way. There's no space for people like you in our town. It often feels that way. To take your family out to dinner sometimes can feel like an act of hostility or aggression on your part. It's almost the way that people make you feel. Like, why are you invading our space with your Christian values and your seven kids? Why are you coming out here? You need to be tucked away in a closet somewhere. Mm-hmm. We're done with people like you. Like, mm-hmm. And that's not uniformly true. You can always find a place 
you know, where some grandma will come up to you and say how sweet you brought all your kids. I noticed that you prayed before dinner or whatever. That can still happen. But just the same, it, you are choosing to go take ground in Bloomington when you go out to a restaurant with your family of seven kids. If nothing else, you're pro- proclaiming, we exist to yeah. a bunch of people who may not be happy to remember that. You're You're making yourself visible. It's sort of like the way that you have these like queer visibility days, mm-hmm. right? Like on campus. And if, you know, if you went to undergrad, maybe your school did this sort of thing too, where like, you know, they'd have a queer visibility day and they would stage, you know, in front of the big lecture halls, like makeout sessions and stuff like that, right? Or drag shows, like stuff like that. Where it's just like, we're going to force you to deal with the fact that we exist, then that we're here and we're present among you. We may be a minority, but we're a loud and proud and vocal minority. And the homosexual racket has been playing that card for a long time and acclimating everybody to the idea that we're all surrounded by a bunch of gay people, however false that may actually be. But it feels like you're doing the same sort of thing in Bloomington Mm -hmm. when you go do that. Like, you would be much safer with a rainbow flag shirt, a buddy. And be, you'd be much more likely to be welcomed, embraced, affirmed, and comfortable just from a social perspective. Well, just to color that in a little bit, uh, unlike the two of you, I grew up in Bloomington. I was here when I was a kid. And I've always assumed a level of hostility towards Christi- Christ- Christianity and conservatism in general that it took me years to realize wasn't just everywhere. I mean, I can remember very it's distinctly- not, not necessarily normative for- the rest of Indiana or the Midwest or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, so I grew up, you know, Indiana, what is it like the, is it the first gay per capita or second maybe after San Francisco? I think it's the highest outside of the Castro district of San Francisco. Whatever the actual stat is, it's it's really high. So, you know, I grew up- And it consistently listed in one of the top five gay-friendly cities in America. Right. And that's evident. You know, you see, you don't see anything generally unless you go seeking it. You, You won't run into anything horrible, horrible, although it's all horrible. But, you know, I mean, I, I, at a young age, I was seeing like a man and man walking, holding hands or things like that. Certainly yeah. rainbow stuff and all stores, gay pride, all that stuff. I remember when I was maybe 18, 19, taking a construction job that took me to Indianapolis and to Bedford and some of the communities that surround us and just kind of being like, huh, this is... It's different here. This is culturally different. Oh, I'm I'm just used to a whole way of living and thinking, and that doesn't actually reflect everywhere in this country. And it being kind of surprising, and, and then to realize, well, well, I'll just say it: half an hour away from Bloomington is a place that had their last lynching in, I believe, 1967 or something like that. You can find some of the scummy side of you know across the aisle, however you want to say it. You can find some pretty nasty examples of conservatism. It, it took some adjusting to realize like, oh, every place is not the same. And the place that I grew up isn't necessarily normative for the rest of the country or for the rest of the state even. You know, you sort of knew that. Like I knew that Bloomington was a liberal oasis, but you can tell yourself that all you want and be told that to actually feel it and experience it and realize that you've been programmed with certain feelings that don't necessarily apply. Some of your programming doesn't actually work when you're in another place. Is a weird feeling. Yeah. So, you know, we go down to Evansville, Newburgh area, and demographic guy I was talking to called it a midi, a mid-sized city, apparently a term. Mm-hmm. 
the kind of city where it can feel as small town as you want it to feel and can feel as big city as you want it to feel. You can be surrounded by a whole bunch of people that know everybody, that know your family, that go as back as far as you want to, or you can just make yourself anonymous and your family anonymous and nobody has to know anything about you and you can live on both sides of it. Vanderbilt County went blue in mm-hmm. the last election. So even that, it's not that conservative. Part of that's always been uh, the fact that it's a u- pretty unionized town. But, you know, a lot, a lot of Roman Catholics and that sort of thing. This is just a general acceptance of larger families, conservative Christian values. Like, well, I set up how I grew up. When I, the, I've been visiting, and as we record this, looking to move to Evansville, when I go down there, the things that strike me as very weird are oh, there's a bunch of billboards that say stop abortion or Jesus saves or yeah. the, just the visibility, the physical, the, the physical visibility <laughs> of Christianity. And it's not going to be class divided either. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have like the rich part of town that is all Biden-Harris signs and no. whatever else. And then the dumpy uh, trailer trash side of town, that's go Trump. You're going to find the mix everywhere where you go. You'll find Biden-Harris everywhere, and you'll find Trump everywhere, even and especially in some of the wealthier parts of town. Which is very strange in Bloomington. It's very strange to me. In Bloomington, you pull into a neighborhood, and you immediately know just by it, the way it looks. This is a Trump neighborhood, and, or this is a Biden-Harris neighborhood. And it's really obvious. Nobody has to guess. Yeah. So then you go, like, any number of restaurants, coffee shops, or... Donut place, whatever you go into, they might be playing Christian music. If it's coffee shop, you're going to find people if they're discipling other people with Bibles out, period. And it doesn't matter where it is. And it's not like a university community type stuff where, you know, you go to that one Starbucks, that's where all the Campus Crusade people go. And so you will find a Bible. It's not like that. It's just like, that's how it is. No, anytime I've sat down with a pastor or anybody in Evansville, it's always been like, Hey, other pastor. Hey, you're doing the bite. Like, you don't have to take two steps to network with your fellow. Yeah, it's actually really easy as far as that goes. Now, the difficulty is pushing past superficiality to anything that matters. But just the same, to get back to the question of dinner, I take my family out to dinner. I don't feel anything like the pressures that I felt taking my family out to dinner in Bloomington. Part of my hesitance to take my kids out to dinner in Bloomington is I don't want them to feel cultural pressure around them that tells them what we have isn't good or normal. Mm-hmm. I, and if we do that, I have to prepare them for that. And maybe sometimes the preparation for that is not to be explicit about it, you know, but I also then have to be ready to talk about, you know, if somebody says something nasty afterwards, right? Like, because mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that can happen. People might just come up and say nasty things to you and you're, and you're with your kids there about how many kids you have. That can happen in Bloomington. Hmm. It can happen anywhere, but that can hang over your head. I, I don't know. I don't want to make too much of that, but the, the feel, the difference in going out to eat at Acapulco, you know, in the name of the restaurant we went to, was so different. It was just like you could breathe. You might not even be the only big family in the restaurant. I mean, seven's still, still a lot. So pretty good. But you're going to run into other families of four or five or more from time to time. It's just not that big of a deal. And so 
when you go out and are public and you pray with your family and you sit together and you enjoy, enjoy each other, it's less like that act of hostility or taking ground and more like the act of holding ground that's been taken and well-earned by previous generations. Was, we're reading Northanger Abbey for the bookening and on like the very first page, she's talking about a family of 10 kids will always be seen as a really great thing. So long as everybody has heads, arms, and legs to match. Mm. As long as the kids aren't like deformed and weird, like a family of 10, that's awesome. And that's, it's always going to be that way. Like, I mean, I feel like even in our church, some people would be like 10, really? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I know. But you still have at least some, some respect and you, Mm -hmm. any number of people that you talk to, if they didn't come from a large family, their parents did, or Mm -hmm. their uncle or somebody really close to them. The conversation that we ended up having, um, and the reason I guess we're rehashing it, is because I think part of what we need to understand when it comes to engaging our culture strategically is actually knowing it and understanding and discerning what you're doing, right? If I'm going out to dinner in Bloomington, I'm taking ground. I am having my own large, normal Christian family uh, visibility day. You call it an unavoidable act of aggression and that is what it feels like. It's like, what it feels like, yeah. These guys have already claimed the territory and you are walking in and you can't help but be like, hey guys, we're here to take some ground. Exactly. By it, your very presence. Yeah, by by our very presence. And, and then it, if you add a prayer into the mix. And then it, it just like heightens it all, all the more. In Evansville, it, doesn't f- it hasn't felt that way. And maybe that I'm sure that there are places in town and certain restaurants we can go to where it would feel that way. Mm-hmm. In a Mexican restaurant in a city that has a large Roman Catholic influence is about as safe a place you can go in an already safe community, relatively speaking. There's that. But you are there holding ground. And you could as easily pray or as not pray, but... In Bloomington, you feel like, I'm going to pray because we're doing this. Like, we're here for a reason. We've yeah. already created an act of aggression. We might as well capitalize on it. Like, what's, we what's... might as well capitalize on it. Exactly right. right. In, in Evansville, it's like, eh, this isn't an act of aggression. Oh, well, whatever. And you, then you have to remind yourself, you know, not that you wouldn't eat a meal without praying, but hey, you know, this is a good thing that we're doing. There's still going to be an encouragement to the right people and a discouragement to the right people. Exactly right. Do we want it to continue to feel like this for our kids or for the next five or 10 years or however, like, then we've got to be out here doing these little things. So, the the point of that, just as an illustration, so we're we're in two different communities now, an hour and a half apart in Indiana. You've got to know where you're at, the culture, city to city and county to county and restaurant to restaurant and restaurant mm-hmm. to restaurant is not as homogenous as uh, we like to imagine it is. Um, and you got to know where you're at and what you're doing, have discernment about it and then take your steps. Going out to dinner is a small, simple kind of maybe dumb thing to talk about. I want to live with your first point for a second, which is the lie that is cultural homogeny. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing, but the internet and Facebook and your social media of choice and your movie diet of choice can very easily mislead you into thinking 
ah, yeah, it's basically all the same for good or for ill. You know, I mean, a lot of Christians just feel hostility Mm -hmm. everywhere and assume that it's basically equally hostile no matter where they are. And then you have the the rose-colored glasses crowd that's like, "Eh, well, you know, it's basically great everywhere I go. It's basically good. What we don't want to do with this episode and what we've talked about a little bit avoiding trying to do before we hit record was we don't want to take away people's ability to make generalizations and to say this is the direction culture is going this is the broad picture of what's happening you have to be able to make those determinations and we don't want to take that away but we do want to remind people and we think while it sounds kind of obvious it is in fact important to remind people and to remind ourselves culture is made up of people and people are different and places are different and groups of people are different and it's just not as homogenous i mean here we are it's easy for us to, I mean, we have this vivid illustration of Evansville and Bloomington, but I think just the same, it's pretty easy for us to assume it's all just, you know, well, Joe Biden won, so there's a certain- Everyone hates us now. Liberal pressure around us. Yeah. Well, actually, that pressure is a lot different in Bloomington. Now, maybe that in Evansville, it's simply passive aggressive instead of aggressive. It's, it's not, it's not right. to say that that pressure isn't felt everywhere, but it's actually not felt in every corner of every restaurant. At least not in the same way. At least not in the same way. And being aware of that and being able to make those determinations is, I don't know, I, I hate it when, I, just, it's hard for me not to be annoyed when people use this verse because they always use it in silly ways, but as part of being wise as serpents and yeah. it does. In fact, I mean, in the specific context of that verse, Jesus is sending the disciples out to different towns and he's telling them, well, make a determination about this town. And that town, and if this town treats you that way, then take the, take the dust out. I mean, it's it's pretty specific to what we're talking about, you know. Yep. Evansville is this kind of place, and Bloomington's this kind of place. Yeah, and, and part of the usefulness uh, that we bring to people, to you listeners, is that we've lived in a city like Bloomington and ministered there for a long time, and it's a bellwether. It's a place that is ahead of the curve mm-hmm. in terms of the degradation of our society. We had a situation on campus 10 years ago where I, when I was our college pastor, the university called in 35 campus police officers and arrests were made and things were happening because, you know, they were demonstrating and disrupting. Uh, because you had a pastor come and talk about biblical sexuality, basically. Yep. Just like men are men, women are women. Yep. Kind of stuff. And people went insane. They went, they went bonkers. Mm-hmm. They went bonkers. The ones that got kicked outside were out banging on the doors, chanting, we're still here, we're still queer, right? So it's just like, okay, that's the kind of thing, like what seemed to be happening in bigger pockets, you know, around the country this summer, mm-hmm. we dealt with that exact sort of thing 10 years ago because we had an event called Sexual by Design. We talked about God's design for sexuality. That's allowed us to be ahead of the curve, allowed us to sort of see what's coming. Uh, and we don't intend to, to lose that or lose that edge, um, because we've, you know, moved to a, a, a different feeling community. But at the same time, part of this is recognizing how different our communities are and can be. Mm-hmm. And how different it really can look community to community for you to be salt and light. Right. Well, part of what Paul, when Paul says, you know, become all things to all men, there is some idea that you accommodate yourself to the culture. But the accommodation, this just occurred to me, though, I think it's kind of obvious in hindsight, the accommodation is not just like, don't be offensive. 
it's also be sure that you're offensive in the right way. Exactly. You know? Yeah, it's be sharp in the right way. Be sharp in the right way. Right. Have edge in the right way. The Apostle Paul, when he went to Athens, he accommodated himself to the culture. (laughs) He dealt with the unknown God and then he called the Athenians ignorant. Well, he was winsome, Jake. So he yes, get away with just that. wanted to be salty and winsome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think so much of what we're talking about is basic awareness. And I feel a little stupid sometimes when we give our basic awareness spiels on this podcast. It's not rocket science. Like, be aware of what town you're in and how people be aware of what you're doing when you go into a restaurant. But I feel like it's always worth doing because I feel like, just for me, let me just talk about myself. I need as many people out there giving me permission to have discernment as I possibly can. Because it's so easy to just not think about what kind of a restaurant I'm going into, to not think about what kind of a person I'm talking to, to, you know I mean? I, yeah, well, and you don't yeah, want to be caught f- flat-footed when some jerk comes up and makes a comment about your kids. Or, you know, you just need to, you need to be intentional and proactive about your Christian witness absolutely everywhere you go because you're a Christian 24-7. Yeah, and that a lot of that is like pray for wisdom. Mm-hmm. Like when you have some discernment, God gives you some perspective. You need his help to even see the open doors he'll provide. Well, ask him to open the door. Ask him for help to see it. Mm-hmm. In Bloomington, it is different than Evansville. And it feels different to interact with people. I can, you know, I felt that immediately upon moving there. Um, just like this is friendlier, but I don't know if it's easier. It's in many ways, it's harder Mm-hmm. I think. No, friendly people are some of, <laughs> I was going to say something that was probably going too far. I was going to say friendly people are some of my least favorite people. That's not true. I love friendly people actually, but it can be really hard dealing with people who have been trained since childhood to be nice. To just be nice. To just be nice. That's right. Because and, and it that's, doesn't mean they're kind. It doesn't mean they're godly. It doesn't mean they're biblically, it, biblical. It just means they're nice. And it's a, it can be a whole lot harder to dig past that and get to the root of the issue with somebody like that. And that, I mean, that is what we're up against is a bunch of, even talking to people about community, you know, and I've, we've had a number of conversations with people where it's like, yeah, that, that sounds nice. But then when rubber meets the road, it's not nice because you're in their business and mm-hmm. they're in yours. Like, and people hate that. Nice people hate that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They just want to get be someplace where they can everybody can smile and get along. It's hard, and that's part of why Evansville needs a good church. Is because that's like ninety eight percent of the churches down there are just smile, get along, and oh, you're not getting what you want here. You, you know, go somewhere else, and no big deal. Yeah, it's not as though Christians have a danger of being lulled into sleep by aggression, Bloomington aggression. Like, well, maybe let's keep our mouth shut just as easily, more easily. I don't know about that. Be lulled to sleep by Evansville niceness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I can keep my mouth shut in this way and even feel pretty good about it a lot of the time. And I don't want to offend people, especially not when they're nice and they're kind of pulling in the same direction. Isn't it nice that we can talk about sin in general here without a lot of pushback? Let's just talk about sin in general. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how much we want to take sin seriously. That'll make everybody feel good. And then, but will we actually take sin seriously? Yeah, I have, people. I have a relative that's been in my life before. And uh, this person is always so much easier to deal with when they're being honest about how much they hate Christianity and how much. And it's not that I like 
being yelled at or being, as our head pastor here in Bloomington likes to say, belligerated against. <laughs> but man, when they're like, oh yeah, we're all friends and we're, we're actually all Christians. What am I supposed to do with that? Come on. Stop <laughs> that's not true. Yeah, stop lying. That's, that's what I have to do with that. But I'd much rather her just say, I don't really care for your God and I don't. That gives us a groundwork. That gives us a solid footing. It gives us something to push against. And as Jake's rightfully said on this podcast, it's wicked for people to want culture to go bad, to want people to be aggressively against us just so those lines are clear. Are clear. Yep. But there's a sense in which it's nice when the lines are clear and it's hard when the lines are. Well, that's just to say, you're not saying things should get worse. You're just saying people should be honest. It's like people who accuse you of divisiveness. If you talk about a broken relationship or something, you're like, you're breaking it. No, I'm not breaking it. It's already broke. Mm -hmm. We're just (laughs) exposing it. That's all that we're doing. We're just shining a little light on it. So that's all you're asking. for. I'm in, I'm trying to actually create real unity here. That's right. Because I'm going to deal with the conflict that is not being dealt with. It's mm-hmm. here already. The conflict is here. Already. I mean, that's what I think ministry in, in Bloomington, the conflict's on your sleeve. In Evansville, you've got to expose the conflict and then deal with it and make people work through it. And it's just a, you got to break it open. But all of these things we're saying are predicated on the fact that Jake has given a lot of thought and the rest of us have given a lot of thought to Evansville's like this, Bloomington's like this. And so I, I just want to return to giving people permission to do that because I don't, I mean, I, I see this on a personal level, you know, you meet somebody at the tr- in the church and maybe they give you the creeps, but you have to assume that they're nice because they're related to so-and-so or because they're your friend or because <laughs> they're your neighbor. And, and so things like molestation happen precisely because moms and dads don't give exactly themselves right. permission to just be like, oh yeah, that guy's kind of creepy. I don't like the way he acts around my kids. Yep. You know, they, 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 they just, they don't, Think in those categories. They don't let themselves just have wisdom, have have discernment, just make a determination. Well, I don't like that guy for some reason. And it's not just because I'm ungodly. And that's okay. <laughs> I'm just going to make a decision based on that instinct mm-hmm. because I'm going to err on the side of protecting my kids. You know, I mean, it, obviously it helps to be able to articulate those things, right? Yeah. Like the, here's why I don't like this person. Usually if you simply allow yourself to ask that question, you can start to come up with things. Sometimes you just have to go with your gut. But in the context of what we're talking about, I don't think it's impossible generally to say, well, you know, this restaurant's probably a little bit more conservative, you know? There's an American flag. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, restaurants want to attract a certain kind of clientele, and so they give you visual cues and music cues, visual and audio-visual clues as to what their culture is. Rainbow flags. Rainbow flags. Pretty good indicator. And... So oftentimes we have this weird idea that, well, they've got a bunch of rainbow flags, but you know, may- maybe they just had to do that and maybe it doesn't mean anything or, you know, I who never, am I to judge? I never feel that way. <laughs> or or vice versa. It's like, there'll yeah. just be things staring you in the face and you won't act like, like if you took two seconds, you could just think, you know, praying here with my family is going to actually be an act of aggression and I might have to put up with some things and I should be prepared and I should be preparing my kids, but you don't take those two seconds to actually think that. And then the second place and what Jake's been saying this whole time that I want to live is, I think it's a really helpful category to have, to know whether you're, what did you say, claiming ground or holding holding it. Mm -hmm. I think it's nice to know that with people. I think it's nice to know that with places. I think it's nice to know that with things and institutions 
am I going in there to try and preserve something that's good or am I going in there, plant a flag, try and establish something? It's just, I, I just think it's a really helpful question to ask yourself about a town, about a person, about a, you know, it really affects, like, let's just, let's just simplify it by taking it to the level of a person. If you're witnessing to, you know, we just got done with the holidays. If you're listening to this in the new year, wouldn't, wouldn't that have kind of been like a helpful way to think about your aunt Susie? Or just the family gathering. Or just the family gathering. Like, uh, is this- uh, the godly grandfather that used to lead the family in prayer is now dead. Are we going to maintain, we're all going to pray before this meal, or does praying before this meal die with grandpa? Am I going to ask if I can pray before the meal, even though it's something that's unheard of in our family? Big difference between those two things. Mm-hmm. Big difference between those two things. And we don't always have to make, we don't have to make everything about praying at mealtime. No, 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 but, but, but it's a good just, example. Just, well, yeah, it, it's a good example because it's a simple thing. Right. It's a little thing. Yeah, it's a little thing. Mm-hmm. And you can take from the little things principles that you can apply to bigger things. Yep. Well, I think another lesson that I'm processing is we've talked is you're always going to be planting your flag somewhere. In one sense, the question is like in Evansville, you're just holding ground by taking your family with seven kids out to a Mexican restaurant. But there's other things in Evansville where, where you'll be where you'll be like, okay, time to plant a flag. Right. This is going to be aggressive. Right. Because these people don't think this is nice. And you got to know that and you always have to make sure that you're doing some of that. Right. Because in the end, all we're talking about, right, is how to witness, mm-hmm. how to be a witness. How to be salt and light. Yeah. Well, and I think maybe a way to underline why why it's important to think about these sorts of things is to think about the ways that we get them wrong. So a lot of people will stop at holding ground and then pat themselves on the back as if they've taken ground. You know, we went to the restaurant in Evansville and we prayed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Big deal. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, okay, good. good. good great. Sure. Excellent. You know, not sarcastic. Great. Mm-hmm. But did you then like make your family or friend in Evansville that you were having dinner with actually talk about something of substance or push pack superficialities? The other thing that, you know, people are dumb about this. You see this sort of thing. You can see this sort of thing with zealous young men, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is exactly where I wanted to go. Yeah. You hand you hand a man a hammer and everything's a nail, right? So they treat oh, everything like they're claiming ground when every, in fact exactly it's and feel really good about themselves and pat themselves on the back. I went to the Mexican restaurant in Evansville and I sat down with my family and we prayed and I told the waitress that <laughs> Jesus is King and my wife was wearing a dress <laughs> that that probably really showed them, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I was and, like, actually, nobody cared. Yeah. Actually, nobody cared. It's not a big deal. Yeah. No, there's a certain kind of insecure male, generally speaking. I've certainly been this person in my life who wants to believe and does believe whether he wants to or not that everything is an act of aggression and everything is an act of claiming ground. And that's really stupid and short-sighted, actually. Yeah. Um, That guy can often be very lovable because when you actually have ground to take, he's there for it. And I'm not going to pretend like he's never effective. Yep. Oftentimes, you just have to. He just has to grow up a little bit. And well, the, you don't want to take away that young man's zeal, right? You but just at the same time, temper it with wisdom. Yeah, a little dash of wisdom and maturity. maturity never hurts anything. And a large part of maturity is just realizing, ah, uh, you know, Aunt Susie's at at Christmas dinner. She's got this or that that's actually just holding ground, and it's okay if I treat it like that. And I don't have to pretend like the only way God's gonna at all ever approve of me is if I go in there like I'm claiming hostile territory, yep. even in the places where I'm actually 
not, you know? I mean, I, yeah. the, the obvious examples that you see online all the time are things like sex and stuff like that, you know? The person who wants to say, my wife obeys me and blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, actually, a lot of people reading your Twitter don't disagree with you yeah. about that. You don't, you don't need to be. Good job. Yeah. Yay. You're great. Uh, Let's um, get a, a conference full of people that all believe what we do and then rail against everybody who's not there, who doesn't, and feel very provocative and like we actually did some good. Well, I think that's good. that's that's kind of if you want to keep the same paradigm, which I guess you do because we're doing this episode. Well, that's a trick that a lot of Christian institutions and organizations and churches can fall into, where they're holding ground but they're pretending like they're, they're taking, taking ground. It. Like they're actually just holding the ground. Everybody in this room agrees with us: abortion is bad. But we're being really loud about how abortion is bad, and we're all like we're all feeling the glory as if we're going in there and claiming ground and planting a flag, and it's like. No flag was planted. Nobody here that does, no, nobody just, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Actually. No minds and hearts were changed in the making of this video. Well, and there's a place to say, we're holding the ground. Isn't that great? Yay. We should be happy that we're holding the ground. I don't want to take that away from people. And, and, and geared up and challenged to continue holding ground and challenged to go take ground elsewhere. Yeah, the, absolutely. The, 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 you, you, you can't be a critic of this sort of thing to such an extent that you take away from the church the joy that it has in its work and the joy that it has in its culture. Yeah. You know. In the rightly placed zeal on key issues where it needs to be felt and exercised. Well, there you go. So if you're taking your family out to dinner, know what kind of town you live in, know what kind of a restaurant you're going to, and prepare yourself accordingly. Little wisdom, little discernment, never hurt anybody. Never hurt anybody. <sighs> Anything else to be said on this topic, gentlemen? That was everything. There's literally <laughs> nothing else to be said. Wow. We exhausted it. This is great. Can yeah. we stop podcasting? Do we need to do any more episodes? No. We're good. No, we okay, we're good. <laughs> all right. Great. See you never, everybody. Yeah. We claimed all the ground in this one podcast. Man, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so good. We're pretty great. We're pretty great. Can we hold it, though? Maybe we should do some more podcasts. Okay, all right. Just, just all hold right. the ground. Yeah, now and then. And to talk about how great we were for taking it in the first place. Yeah. All right, this sounds great. Three guys that agree with each other in a room, talking into microphones. We've done some real damage. We're going to have a conference soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're, not, if you're not there, we're going to make fun of you. Listen, if you disagree with us, please don't come to the conference. Yeah. Or even talk to us ever again. Yeah, exactly. If you agree with us, though... And want to tell us how great we are, then... Then you need to come. And in return, we'll tell you how great you are. And speaking of great, it really grates on my nerves when people don't end podcasts when they should. And so, I will now end this one <laughs> by telling you that it was associated... Associated. It was associated by Ben. Associated with Ben. <laughs> executive by Jake, Nathan, produced by me, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, we are. Would you consider this podcast to be associated with Ben? Yes. Ben Solzer? Indeed. He's a good Ben to be associated with. Right up there with the best of them. Right up there with, uh, who are the great Bens? Franklin? Right up there with Ben Franklin? There you go. Right up there with Ben Jimin Button? Kind of a curious case of that guy. It was a curious case. (laughs) It was kind of a curious case. (laughs) A little boring (laughs) of a case, actually. Some of my best friends are Bens. I I thought you were going to say some of your best friends were Buttons, but... 
<laughs> that would have been a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah, that would have been weird. But instead, you said something that made a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, as, as I moved to Evansville, I'm leaving Bloomington, if you can imagine that. And my place in the youth group as a youth leader will be taken by a Ben. And then there will be three Bens in youth group leadership <laughs> roles. That's awesome. Yep. Basically, all great guys. basically all the not, like there's the head guy and then the, the three underling dudes are all named Ben. So and yeah, and Jake's right. They're all great. They're all wonderful men. So wonderful men, wonderful Bens, soundofsanity.com. No, that's not a place. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash soundofsanity. Go there. Don't be square. Support the podcast. Give us some of those Benjamins. Baby. Give us some of those. Ben- it's all about the Benjamins. That's what we've been really trying to say. It's all about the Benjamins. It's all right? about the Benjamins, baby. And speaking of Benjamins, there's Ben, and he's about to. He has been. He has been. And yeah. He will, he... When you die, will you be considered a has been? Is that how that works? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> you could put it on your tombstone. Has Benjamin Solzer? Has been Solzer. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be like a triple pun because the grave has been Solcer. It's, it's oh, that's great! Yeah, it's pretty great. Actually, this is good times. All right, let's get in on this. <laughs> uh, okay, until next time, folks. Stay sane. 